our goals for the podcast heading into 2022, and some of my favorite moments from the podcast in 2021. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system for powering your growth. Head to NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for a special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. And this episode is a little bit different than the ones I've done in the past because it's a reflection of the year we've had thus far within the podcast. Not just HBCUs, but within the podcast. And then also a look ahead, the goals that I have set for myself in 2022 for the podcast. This is all about the pod, right? And I'm going to start off with the goals because let's look forward before we look back. And the first thing that I really want to accomplish is I want to bring student media onto the show. And this was one of the, I think, seven goals that I really had coming on. And we've increased viewership. So let's round of applause to that. That's great. Um, And so I can't remember what all the other six are, right? But this was one of them and one of the more important ones to me because this one hits home and I felt like I never really had the proper shot when I was in college because I hope this don't come off as cocky but I felt like I had the talent level to at least warrant a shot right and I didn't I didn't really get the shot that I that I wanted I didn't have opportunities to put my my talents on display in front of the amount of eyes that I wanted to and I don't want somebody else at an HBCU to feel that same way so if you feel like you got the talent, college sports editor of, of the newspaper, right? If you feel like you got the talent, you ain't got to be that. You can be a writer, anybody. I want to bring you on the show. But here's the one catch. You have to be involved in journalism. Because not that people who aren't involved in journalism can't succeed in the field or don't have the talent level. I wasn't even involved in journalism my first two years in college. But when you're not involved in journalism, you don't really have you know a touch on that, on that fan base. Not the fan base, but just the, the team in general. Like, when I was at Texas Southern and I was going to basketball games, I wasn't there watching as a journalist. I was there watching as a student who was there chilling, probably missed a lot of plays because I was just there having a good time. So it's a whole different thing when you are watching with a different set of eyes. So I have to have that different set of eyes when I bring on the show so we can have something to really talk about. You know, I don't want to just talk about your HBCU experience. I also want to talk about the team because I need that expert. I need that expert analysis, that person who's there all the time, maybe able to go to multiple practices a week. I need that kind of person. I need that person who can talk to me and give me the ins and outs of Norfolk State, who can give me the ins and out of a Howard, right? So those are the things I'm looking for. Um, then I want to get more guests on the show. I have a really big time guest for you guys tomorrow. It's a great time. I'm going to announce them at the end of the show, so stay tuned. But I really want to get somebody on the show more. And I've had four guests. I was my fourth guest. And it's always fun because you have to you have the ability to 
have this energy where you're bouncing off. It's different. Right now I'm talking, I'm looking directly at blinds, right? So I'm talking to the blinds. The blind's not talking back to me, but a guest is going to talk back and that energy just bounces off. So it's a little bit, you know, different of a format when you have a guest on the show. And I want to I do that more often because it's something I really enjoy to do. Then I want to do one thing I've done this, this year. These are things that I hadn't done this year for the most part, but this one I really want to do more is I want to have more long-term storylines. And I did that twice this year in 2021. I did it once with the Celebration Bowl, and I did it once with the Travis Hunter news. Because with the Travis Hunter news, that was kind of a, it happened, let's react. And we unfolded every single aspect of it, right? We went through the recruiting process. We went through his announcement day. We went through what it meant for Florida State. And that's just the three things we did with guests. Not to mention the impact that it had on Jackson State, what it meant for the landscape. And just also just the idea of Deion Sanders and more celebrity, not celebrity, but pro football coaches. That was one of the things that we really did. So it was it was a lot of fun. The Celebration Bowl, I, I love that because it was a lead up every day for five days until the game on Saturday. And that was an absolute blast, right? Because I was able to look at, okay, this is what Jackson State does. This is what South Carolina State does. This is what they need to do. These are the matchups. These are the keys to victory. That was so much fun to me, man. I, I honestly had a great time. And I was able to look at a Jackson State game through a different lens because we had talked about a couple of Jackson State games. We had just talked about them a week prior with their game against Prairie View, but this was like a whole different a whole different type, type of deal because I was able to focus on them while also looking at a game like this is what they did wrong here. Let's see if it affects them there. And it did. It did. Um, so you got to go look at that. That's a whole week long before the Celebration Bowl. Um, but I'm a storyteller at heart. That's what I enjoy to do. You know, and thankfully, I was given carte blanche to just do what I wanted to do. Carte blanche is the word of the day. You know, I didn't know how smooth I was going to put it in there, but I think I did that one all right. But I was given carte blanche to just do the podcast I want. So that involves a lot of stories, whether that's little anecdotes, just quick stories or Telling a segment through a story. Either one, it's a lot of fun for me. But um, next, I want to do some on-location games. Because I look at box scores, and that's great. And sometimes the, the game recap will tell you, like, the runs in the game and how it happened, not just the box score. But ain't nothing like being there and, and feeling the environment and recognizing the ebbs and flows for yourself live in person. So I would definitely, I, I don't think this is a doubt, I would definitely be at Probably two HBC, not two HBC, two TSU games for sure. I think that's what I'm planning on doing because they're going to play a home game twice in, in one week. And I will try to make it out there for at least one of those. And that, that's a goal. And I'll try to get it to some other as well. But I I'm, will most likely go there, my alma mater, right? Then lastly, I want to get some more fan interaction, man. And this isn't all on you guys because I love you guys, man. Y'all show love by just tuning in. And I appreciate that. But now we're going to turn it up a notch. Right, because we've been at this for a month, and we get in the groove. Right, we getting comfortable. We now we now recognizing. Okay, we're gonna turn on the the radio first thing in the morning. We're gonna put on locked on HBCU. That's gonna first thing we do. But let's take it further. Right, I want to get to know you guys individually, and I want you guys to tag me. Hashtag the show. You can tag me at South Exclusives on Twitter. Hashtag the show. Locked on HBCU. Let's have a lot of fun, and I'm gonna try to do my part because, like I said, I'm not putting it all on you guys. I'm going to do my part in the sense of creating reasons for you to interact, have more interactive segments, things where I need you to call back. And I've done some of that, but I haven't been consistent as I needed to be. For example, I wanted you guys to hashtag your favorite stories 
of the HBCU year, and I was going to bring them up. But I didn't keep asking you guys to do it enough to start the show, and that's on me because I can't expect you guys to just remember something I quickly mentioned at the end of a show. So it's things like that where I want to really interact, and I want you guys to know that when I say what's going on, family, or I call you guys family on the show, it's not hollow words just to have an introduction. It's something I really mean. So when I say family on the podcast, it's the same energy off the podcast. Just tag me, DM me. I don't care. I talk to you guys, and I ain't. It's not like I'm a. I ain't no superstar. Like no, 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 no publicity. I ain't gonna talk to you guys. None of that stuff. Just tag me, South Exclusives on Twitter. Hashtag the show. Let's try to get this drummed up, man, because we are a family. When I succeed, y'all succeed. When y'all succeed, I succeed, and it's like that. You understand? So these are some of the things that I really want to get done on the show going into the new year. But as we continue rolling on the show, we're going to reflect on two of my favorite segments. And the first one coming up, I can't tell you. You got to keep the suspense building, but I can tell you by next week because this is it. The putt to win the tournament. You sink it in the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheet and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything that you need in one spot. No more going here and there and over here and across the country. One spot. That's NetSuite. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those who are ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Head to NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system to grow your business. That's NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. All right, as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we're going to revisit one of my favorite segments to do. But thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and make sure that you're checking out the Ultimate College Football Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis, the most comprehensive college football playoff preview. And the games begin this Friday, so get on it! Now, one of my favorite segments I did this year was the Bryce Witt to the Legacy Bowl segment. It was the first time that I was really able to take a side, and it was a more argumentative topic. I was able to get back in my high school debate bag, and I had a blast doing it. It was very delicate. Shout out to Ross, not just for believing in me and helping me, you know, backing me and getting me on this podcast, but also just helping me out because this was a delicate situation, and he, he made sure that how I have handled it didn't become misconstrued, and he's done that a lot. So shout out to you for always picking up the phone. I'll be calling. <laughs> Without further ado, let's check out this segment. Bryce Witt to the Legacy Bowl. And today's episode is going to kick off with a topic that I think is pretty interesting. It's probably the first time I've had a controversial or really an opinion piece type of topic on here. So I'm excited to do it, honestly. I'm excited to bring it to you guys. And there's been some controversy around the eligibility or whether he should be allowed, or if it's even okay, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But it's a question of, should it happen? And that's Bryce Witt playing in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And because this is my first time having a controversial topic, and I have an opinion on it, I don't want to be a milk toast. and that is your word of the day. I didn't do yesterday's because I thought it was utterly ridiculous. 
It yesterday's word was more ridiculous than saying I'm not a milk toast sounds. And I know that sounded ridiculous, but it was even more ridiculous. I hated the word, so I just didn't use it that day. However, I wanted to get into this one because my side of it is a no. He should not. And it is a strong no. It's not just a, nah, I don't know. It's a no. Firm, I do not believe that Bryce Witt should play in the Legacy Bowl. But it's the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And the HBCU part is really the driving force on why I don't think he should play. But we'll get back into that because I want to give the reasons that people feel like he should play. And Bryce Witt is a baller, an absolute baller. He is the CIAA Offensive Player of the Year. And that might strike a bell with you because we've talked about Bowie State, the school that made it to the quarterfinals in the D2 playoffs, and they play in the, the CIAA. So obviously, you know, they're playing these HBCUs and whatnot. And I'm trying not to give anything away. However, Bryce Witt is an absolute baller. There's no question about that because he's had 99 touchdowns. That ranks third. I'm talking about over his career, not not this year. He, he had 99 touchdowns this year. It'd be like, oh my god, like why isn't why isn't Chowin in in the Super Bowl? Like <laughs> not even the, the the college football playoffs. This man has 99 touchdowns in a year. Somebody needs to sign him stat. You know what I'm saying? My my Saints could use him right now if he had 99 touchdowns from the quarterback position in a singular season. But he's had 99 over the course of his career, which would rank third amongst all CIAA quarterbacks who have played since 2010. So the dude is a baller, up for the Harlan Hill, which is essentially like the D2 MVP. He's up for the Harlan Hill trophy. The guy can play 100%. I will never doubt his ability on the field or that he hasn't played his way into being eligible for this. This This isn't about how he plays. And playing in the CIAA, you would think that those stats would make him a no-brainer. You had the third most amount of touchdowns through a career since 2010. Sign me up immediately. However, this is my reason. And some people think it's because of his race. And let's clear that up right now. It has absolutely zero to do with his race. He is a white guy. I didn't even mention this to start because I didn't feel like it was important to start. I didn't want to dilute anything. It is important within the topic, but not to start off with because that's the lead. That's what you're what you're hearing. However, he's a white guy, so... Yes, seeing a, 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 a white quarterback out there on an HBCU legacy bowl might, might make you double take. I'll I'll be fair, you know. I think that's that's reasonable. It might what? Oh but you'll get over it. HBCUs are not exclusively black schools. So the HBCU legacy bowl does not need to be exclusively black either. I would have absolutely nothing to say if Ryan Stanley, he's not there anymore, but if Ryan Stanley, the former quarterback for Florida AM, was in this bowl. I would have absolutely nothing to say. He's a white guy. But he plays for FAMU. Chowin, which Derek, or excuse me, Bryce Witt plays for, is not a historically black college university. It is not. So when I look at it, it's not about the black part. It's about the black college part. So don't emphasize the B, emphasize the BC in HBCU. That's what that that's what I'm focused on. I don't care that Shawin has a either majority or near majority of black population. I think uh black students are the majority on that pop on that campus. That doesn't matter. I, I don't care. You're not an HBCU. I don't care if you have 90% black people on your on your campus. You're not an HBCU. 
So it has absolutely nothing to do with Witt as a player. It has everything to do with the institution he's representing because I don't care if you're in the CIA, the CIAA, excuse me. You are not an HBCU. The MEAC has discussed adding schools to the conference because they only have five football teams right now. They discussed it before averaging, or excuse me, adding more teams that aren't HBCUs. They don't know if they're going to do it, but they have discussed it. So let's just hypothetically say that Alabama joins the MEAC. Should Bryce Young be able to play in the HBCU Legacy Bowl? No, he shouldn't. It's really simple. No, okay, Alabama's Alabama. They're going to get notice regard. Let's bring one of those, I don't know, Coastal Carolina or Kansas. I know Kansas is a Power 5 school, but anybody check up a Kansas? Coastal Carolina. Should they be allowed to play in the HBCU Legacy Bowl? Should those players be allowed there? No. Because it's not about who you're affiliated with. It's about what are you? What do you represent? Are you an HBCU? If Rice Witt were to go into the league and became the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, talking about greatest, whoever you think your GOAT is, and he was better than that, would you say that the GOAT came from an HBCU? You wouldn't. You would not. You would not be able to because that would be a lie. Look, I went to Texas Southern. You know how many times I heard that UH is an HBCU, always from UH students. But UH is an HBCU because they were across the street and it was like family. Those are those like cousins. And yes, yeah, Kiki laughing, but they're not. They're not an HBCU. You wouldn't be able to play there. I don't care how many black people are there. And I don't know the black percentage at, at Houston, so don't fact check that. That's not the point here. The point is, no matter how close, whether that's across the street or that's across the conference, you are not an HBCU, so you should not be able to be there. I'm going to read to you exactly what the HBCU Legacy Bowl, if you go to their website and look in the About section, this is what it's about. The HBCU Legacy Bowl, presented by the Black College Football Hall of Fame, is a postseason all-star game showcasing the best NFL draft-eligible football players from historically black colleges and universities. It will be broadcast live on NFL Network, more than a football game. The week-long celebration of black culture and history will provide invaluable exposure for HBCU students. The only time that black was not accompanied by historically college and university, the only time that that happened was when talking about the culture. This is not... For people who are near HBCUs, this is for HBCUs. So to put any player that is not from an HBCU in a showcase meant to shine light on players from those type of schools just does not make sense. And once again, this is not an attack at Bryce Witt. He is a talented player and deserves to have a showcase. However, you can go get showcase elsewhere. You can go get those. This is specifically for this group of people. And no, I do not mean black. I mean, HBCU students. It's very firm. He should not be allowed to be a part of a legacy bowl. Excuse me. I'll make about all of them. Let's just make a blanket statement. No players from Chowan or any other university that are within a conference with HBCUs, but are not HBCUs, none of those schools. So let's talk about Chowan. No player from Chowan should be allowed to play in a bowl to build on the legacy that he or they will never and can never be a part of. It is that simple. I don't think it's hard to understand. I'll ask you a simple question to drive it home. 
should a non-HBCU player play in a bowl game dedicated to HBCU teams? That was one of my favorite segments from the year, and I hope you guys enjoyed it either for your first time or for your second time. Man, because it was a blast for me to record, and I hope it was a blast for you guys to listen to. But let me tell you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football marches through the college bowl season, it's games every day, and I'm in hog heaven. And you got the pro football playoffs coming up. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the sports action this season. Go to the website, or if you're on your phone, listen to the pie right now. Do this while I'm talking and go to the mobile device and go to the mobile site and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just using the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N to receive your bonus from basketball, football, professional, and and uh, collegiate hockey, boxing, UFC, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. So let's get on it. Bet online where the game starts. All right, families, we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU. We're going to be talking about my last favorite segment of the year. I don't know which one of these is my favorite, they're tied. And that's Texas Southern knocking off Florida, 20th ranked Florida in men's basketball because it was an historic upset for HBCUs. But that being my alma mater, I was a little bit more prideful than probably just a regular HBCU alum. And I was able to express this pride and this joy and it all fit within the segment. So I loved that. And this was my moment. Texas Southern knocked off 20th ranked Florida. Let's get it. Can I talk about my Tigers? Can I sit here and I, can I tell you guys about how Texas Southern just pulled off a massive upset over the number 20th ranked team in the nation in Florida, 69 to 54. This ain't no one point sneak, but they beat this team by 15 points. And I'm a much bigger football guy than the basketball guy. I proudly admit that to anybody who, who I talk to, but I'll tell you one time that I'm not football over basketball. And that's when I'm covering Texas Southern because my whole time there, my four years, basketball was always bigger than football. They were always better than football. It's been like that for a while. That's okay. But, man, I loved going to the basketball games. My first beat was actually covering the women's basketball team. But today we're going to talk about the men's because the men's, the men's pulled off a, a unprecedented, never-before-seen victory. Hyperbolic? Never that. Y'all must know me by now. We done been together how many episodes going on? Nearly 10 episodes? This is this is episode 9. This is episode 9. If you don't know by now that I'm not I'm not a hyperbolic guy, I don't know what to tell you. Just keep listening. I hope y'all stick, stick around, but I'm not a hyperbolic guy. I don't really like to speak in hyperbole. I get excited, yes, but I still I try to keep pretty grounded. So I don't mean to be hyperbolic when I say this is an unprecedented, never-before-seen victory. But we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Because I don't know what it is about the state of Florida. But for some reason, when it comes to men's basketball, they just don't know how to beat these HBCUs. First, it was South Carolina State knocking off South Florida. Now it's Texas Southern knocking off the University of Florida. 20th ranked team in the nation. I'm going to keep saying it because it feels good to say. 
You know what I'm saying? I know my tiger's in here with me. I know it feels good to hear. It felt good to read. I'm coming back from my little sister's uh, band concert, and I'm seeing all the news talking about Texas Southern this, Texas Southern that. I said, oh, man, we done got, we done got a big-time victory. I've seen these before. I'm not going to sit here and act like this is an un... Like, I don't want to make it seem like they never beat a good team or a Power 5 team before, because they have. However... I'm going to go through a couple of stats because rather than just tell you about how the game happened, I feel like this moment is way too big to only focus and center around how it happened. Yes, that's good. That's great. And the team balled out. However, I want to I want to focus on why the team balling out and knocking off Florida isn't just a feel good story for the team. It's a massive it's a massive deal for both recruiting and for just going down in the history books. So that's what I want to get into. I want to talk about how unprecedented this game is, the monumental magnitude of the victory. And then lastly, I want to talk about why the record coming into the game is a terrible reflection of just how good this Texas Southern Tigers team is. So how is this historic? Texas Southern is now the first SWAC program to defeat a ranked SEC program in the AP era. That's since 1936. Coming in, they were 51-0. Against SWAC teams, ranked SEC teams were 51-0 versus SWAC opponents. That's what I mean when I say this is unprecedented and has never happened before. Not in the history of college basketball. Not so far in the 20s, not in the 10s, not in the 1000s, not in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, the 40s, the 50s, the 30s. None of those never has this happened before. If y'all can tell, I am a, a, tad, a tad bit, maybe just a little bit excited about this. But to truly, to truly capture how difficult of a task this is, I had to bring this stat up. Because it's not as if it's only been a handful of opportunities. It's not like SEC ranked SEC teams have faced SWAC opponents 10 times. This has happened 51 times. That's a, a lot of games. That's a, a nice size sample size to say this is hard. This is not an easy thing to do. So it's not something to scoff at and... Saying, okay, what happened? No, this is historic. So I don't care if it's number one. I don't care if it's 25. That's a huge deal because these are the type of games that will pitch you on the map for a little bit. Texas Southern is going to be talked about nationwide. Not within Houston, not within Texas, not within the Southwest. They will be discussed on SportsCenter for at least a day. This is a massive upset, and you have to at least discuss Florida. And in discussing Florida, you're going to see that it is Texas Southern that pulled this off. So for the next 24 hours, I expect to see this. These are the type of things that when you're recruiting, you can point to and say, this is my school. Then another stat I wanted to point out is that this is the most or the worst record that a team has had when beating an AP-ranked opponent at 0-7. They were 0-7. The previous record was 0-3 in 1980. That's 40 years ago. I told you guys this is not a good representation of the team. These are money games that they are going up against. And they will always be money grabs. That will never change. But another thing that will never change, it will always be a big deal when they win. It is a very no risk, not low risk, but no risk in high reward situation. HBCUs aren't going into these games with their tail tucked between their legs. Don't think that it's a money grab and you're just going to go in there and concede and throw the fight. That's not what happens here. 
especially not TSU. I can I can personally vouch for that. They've been to multiple NCAA tournaments, knocked off multiple ranked teams before. They're going into these games and competing. And that's shown because, yes, they are 0-7, but let's remember they are supposed to lose these games, right? They're massive underdogs in these games. So for my bet online people, you know, we like to talk about bet online. They are 5-2 against the spread. So obviously they're underdogs, but they're not losing in the manner that you would think they would. Let's add another thing to the to the to the little crock pot, right? Let's 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 cook up another thing in this recipe. They've had seven road games in a month in seven different states. And that includes a, a stretch of four games in eight days in four different states. They've been constantly traveling. So they're playing all these big schools while always having to travel. So taking that fact, let's take in that. Let's add it all together, right? We in the crock pot. Let's throw in something, right? Big underdogs in every game. Boom, throw that in there. They have competed way better than you could expect in all of these games. They're 5-2 and two against the spread. Let's throw that in there. And they've had to travel continuously, continuously, which can throw any team off. I don't care who it is. You put all that together. So don't tell me that Texas Southern is your regular 0-7 team. I'm glad that they made history. I'm glad they pulled off a huge win. But for those who aren't Texas Southern followers, don't get it twisted or misconstrued. This team is not a bunch of scrubs. Don't look at that O that was in front of that 7 before this game happened. That is not indicative of the team that Texas Southern is or has been. They've competed their butts off with a bunch of tough games. So don't look at that O. Look at that one if you really want to know who Texas Southern is. Because that one, that one victory over the 20th ranked team in the nation in Florida is the best representation of who Texas Southern is and who you should expect them to be going forward through the rest of the season. All right, family, I hope you guys loved those segments the same way that I did, whether that was your first listen or your second listen. I appreciate y'all going on this journey with me and making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. In tomorrow's episode, I told you guys I would tell you who it is at the end of the show. We have Steve White from the NFL Network, Howard alum coming on the show, and it was a fantastic conversation. I had a blast. You guys are going to love listening to it, and I can't wait to give you guys the interview. So without further ado, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On Bets. It's free and available on all platforms, so you're getting something free to help you make money. And I honestly can't understand the logic in saying I don't want to do that. So add a couple more dollars to your pocket, listening to your boy Q and Lee Sterling for the analysis and insight. Oh yeah, and y'all know where to catch me, on the blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter. South Exclusives, holla at your boy. Until the next time we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.